Days. Tan Talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Can hold. He's gonna end up in the wall. All right, Colt, 
The pace car's about ready to duck on off. We don't have a whole lot of time to talk about this. Well, tell me how. It's because we got a real good set of matched tires on them. What? What? Those tires are matched, perfect, and staggered spectrum. You're gonna get him killed! The pace car's about ready to duck on off. If you go to the outside, you can hold it. All right, Harry, when it comes to the car, I take your word. The white flag is out, one lap to go. Boy, I don't have the balls to pass me on the outside. And they're heading into treacherous turn four. Everybody, this is Bob Barsha with Fox Sports. Normally, I'm at the racetrack with the Barrett-Jackson auctions for television. But if I'm not, I'm going to be listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I hope you will, too. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Running your computers in Google, tantalk1340.com, and you can see me live in the studios here in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about it. And if you missed any of our 600-and-some-odd shows, don't forget to check out NostalgicRadioandCars.com, where you can tune in and listen to all those historic interviews. 600-plus shows, that's all? Well, I do 50 shows a year, That's so true. you figure 13, we have our 13-year anniversary coming up, so yeah, I think we're on, on the mark, you know. Uh, 13 years? Holy shnikes. Holy shnikes, yes. Anyway, so good evening, or good afternoon there, Matt. Hi. Matt's now in the driver's seat. No, 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 You're in the driver's seat, I'm helping you ride shotgun. Oh, okay, there we go, oh, there we go. Okay, so hey, guys, we got a real interesting show for you now. we got a legendary NASCAR guy coming on. Now, as you, if you follow our show, our really big shoe that we do every year every week uh week year day whatever anyway um we do th- uh, periodic themes so like last month we did music um in the past we've done more music we've done uh car designers car builders uh tv show guys uh, we've done uh, you know summer specials all kind of stuff but i think what i'm gonna do this time and we haven't done any nascar guys in a while and uh, or NASCAR related racing, you know, uh, big big giant speedway, roundy round kind of racing kind of guys, and, and and there's a huge following for that. And then uh, believe it or not, up at the villages, there is a group, uh, and I can't remember the exact, um, let's see, title of the club, but it's kind of like a racing sports car, a racing car club thing, and it's for people that are fans of racing. You know, the villages is a pretty amazing. Uh, little establishment up there. You know, they have uh, obviously everybody thinks of the villages as retirees and driving around in golf carts and going and playing golf. But there's a lot of other guys up there. I mean, there's a group that are just strictly into musicians. There's guys that are artists. There's guys that are, uh, you know, have all kinds of hobbies and stuff. And of course, you know, the cars are huge. In fact, uh, every third Saturday of the month, they have a big car show up there at the villages at. Uh, 
the uh, main um, God, I should know this stuff. Dementia is a terrible thing, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, um, they have a car. I think it's the Spanish Springs um, locate uh, the the main the main square there, the town square that they have at the villages, and uh, it's pretty cool. And um, but there's a lot of cars there, and I'll pre- I'll bet you um, on any given, we'll say the fall when the snowbird and the, through the winter when the snowbirds are down, there's probably you know three four hundred cars that show up, and uh, that's quite a few cars, you know, and they're all centered around the square, which is really nice. Um, it's really nice, a lot of places to eat and everything like that. Parking's abundant, and um, but anyway, so they got this car club up there. And uh, they're kind of racing car guys. And they've uh, contacted me, and I will be one of their guest speakers, I think, in January. They do. Uh, they have a, an, a monthly meeting, and they're booked pretty continuously. And they have a lot of noted um, people that are race car guys, uh, drag car guys, uh, rounding round guys, uh, road race guys, and uh, and just uh, the average guy like me that talks a little bit on the radio once in a while. And we go over there, and we... Uh, I was invited to be a guest speaker. So I'll probably be talking about radio shows, some of the guests that we've interviewed over the years, and probably also talk a little bit about Gulfstream Motorsports, which is, you know, buying and selling classic and antique cars, talk a little bit about the market, and uh, talk a little bit about diminished values. You know, cars have been crashed and fixed, not worth what they were before the accident, and uh, after the accident, I should say, and um, just a whole litany of little things. So... Um, I will keep you informed on how that uh, progresses, but I'm kind of looking forward to that. Anyway, so the gentleman coming on tonight is legendary, and uh, we played a little clip from Days of Thunder, and I kind of massaged that a little bit. There's various uh, clips from the movie, which I got a big kick out of that movie. I liked it a lot, you know. And um, and at one point, I actually owned. I was chasing um, uh, an old, an ex Holman and Moody car. I was actually checking, yeah, an ex 72 Torino, 70 to 72 Torino. I was looking for one. And uh, I found one, and it happened to be the last Winston Cup car, I believe, that Holman and Moody built. And it was a 73 Torino, and it was equipped with a Boss 429. It was owned by a guy by the name of Gene Felton. Well, Gene was the last known owner of the car. It's now over in Cannabis Collection, Canapa out in California in Santa Cruz. And um, it uh, was the last car they built, and it actually raced at the 1973 Daytona 24-hour race. And it was in a class all by itself, and it raced, it competed, and it completed the race, and it was basically first in class because I think there may have been one or two other cars in the class, but they they successfully campaigned it. Well, this car was relatively all original, unmolested. It was an original '73 Boss 429 in a in a in a, in a NASCAR prepared uh, road race car because some road race NASCAR raced up at uh, Watkins Glen's right and left hand turn so it's a, kind of a road race type NASCAR track and Riverside's another one that's a NASCAR track and uh, so this 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 it's not a go fast turn left kind of car it's uh, it was set up to go right and left specifically for road racing and uh, so that was a very successful car but anyway we were a few bucks apart and I never put the deal together but I was really looking for a 72 like uh, and one of the other NASCAR drivers, and I can't think of the names right now, but the RC Cola car was one that raced. And uh, a couple other guys, I think uh, Red Farmer raced uh, a 72 Torino. And Pearson raced 69 and 70, 69 
Torinos, and I think 71 Mercury Cyclones. That was Wood Brothers' car. But our guest will obviously kind of clue us into a lot of that stuff because he um, was involved with a lot of those uh, NASCAR people. And, of course, in the past we had Robert Yates on. We've had Bud Moore has been on our show and uh, some other NASCAR-related people. So legendary guys. And uh, so we're, we're delighted to have this gentleman come on our show here a little bit and uh, we're looking forward to it. Why don't you get a question? Yeah, actually, I do. So out of all the shows that you've done now, doing this over the 13 years you've done it, is there like one or two guests that really stick out to you as being, I don't know, more meaningful to you that you've had on the show? Uh, I don't want to go really there and say that. It's kind of like I asked Jay Leno one time. I said, uh, and he's kind of, a, you know, comes on every year or every other year or something like that when he's got right. time. And he says, you know, I, I really don't want to say that I they're like my children. Okay. You know, so you really don't want to have a favorite. But I will say that there are there are some that are have been uh, more just, special to you. Well, I don't want to say special, but they've been very enlightening, very informative. Just I was like surprised, you okay. know. And and so you know, whether it's a musician, whether it's a race car guy, whether it's a builder, there's a lot of them that just are. I don't want to say special, but they're very unique, and they've 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 got some very special talents, and they've done some, and they've accomplished some very special things that are historical and significant that have made an impact in, let's just say, racing or the car industry uh, as we know it today. And this and this is the whole premise behind nostalgic radio and cars. It's nostalgic radio and cars. So we're all into the 50s, 60s, 70s. Well, not so much 50s, but 60s, 70s stuff, because that's the era that I grew up in. Right. And it's the same thing with the with the race car drivers. So if I've had a Mario Andretti or a Carroll Shelby or a Roger Penske, these are the guys that I read about back in the day. These are the guys that, when I was reading magazines, go, wow, that would be, you know. And then to be able to actually inter- meet these people and interview these people is like doubly, um, just like, it's a treat. It's I can't explain. It's like being in a kid in a candy shop. It, it truly is, you know. And, and like even this gentleman right here that's coming on the show tonight. I have never actually personally met him, but I've I've been in contact with the people that he's been in contact with, right. you know, because I've been up to Mooresville, North Carolina a number of times, and I used to go to Charlotte all the time. Not so much that I followed racing, but when they have these gatherings where car guys get together, right. you know, you, bu- you bump into these people. It's, it's not so much what you know, it's a combination of that and who you know. Oh, yeah, oh, uh, well, that's where the success comes in. At, you know, it's it's part of it. But you got to know, you got to have a gift. I mean, you right. can't. You got to you got to be good at what you're doing oh, in order to, to to get someplace. I mean, you're, it's not handed to you. You got to work for it. And these guys have all worked for it. And they've all started. And this is the whole thing with the legends. These guys started this stuff. They were experimenting with this stuff. They worked their way up. I mean, one guy I really wish I could have got on the show. Well, one of many right. would have been Smokey Eunuch. I mean, there's Oof, a guy. And that's we, a name. We will probably be talking a little bit about him tonight because he was you know uh, he was just really legendary and very innovative and 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 that's the thing about racing in the early days it was innovative and a lot of people call it cheating well no they didn't cheat it's just that they created stuff and then somebody else said well that's not fair and then they made a rule so now if you break that rule that they just imposed on you for coming up with something really innovative. Well, now you're a, a cheater. You I see, I wouldn't exactly call it cheating. I would call it evolution. Well, yeah, call it evolution. However, which way you want to do it. But anyway, right. all right, we got to get our guest on the show yeah. here. So why don't you go ahead and fire up the stereo? Let's just play uh, Alan Jackson, and then we'll call our guest because this is going to be a nice long interview, and I'm looking forward to this. You got it. All right, very good. 
painted red The stripe was white It was 18 feet And about a stern line Second hand From a dealer in Atlanta I rode up with daddy When he went there to get her Put on a shine Put on a motor Built out of love Made for the water Ran her for years Till her transom got rotten A piece of my childhood That'll never be forgotten It was just an old plywood boat With a 75 Johnson With electric choke A young boy Two hands on the wheel I can't replace the way It made me feel And I would turn her sharp out Make it whiny Say you can't beat the way An old boat rides Just a little lake Across the Alabama line But I was king of the ocean When daddy let me Just an old half-ton short bed Ford My uncle bought new in 64 Daddy got it right cause the engine was smoking Couple of burnt valves and he had it going He let me drive her and we'd haul off a load Down a dirt strip where we'd dump trash off a thick pen road I'd sit up in the seat and stretch my feet out to the pedals Smiling like a hero that just received his medal It was just an old hand-me-down Ford With three speed on the column and a dent in the door A young boy, two hands on the wheel I can't replace the way it made me feel And I would press that clutch and I'd Keep it right, he'd say A little slower, son, you're doing just fine Just a dirt road with trash on each side But I was Mario Andretti When Daddy let me drive I'm grown up now, three daughters of my own I let them drive my old Jeep across the pasture at our home Maybe one day they'll reach back in their file And pull out that old memory And think of me and smile and say It's just an old worn out Jeep Rusty old floorboards Hot on my feet A young girl, two hands on the wheel I can't replace a way On your feet, on your feet. We're gonna send these people off in the way I love to do it every week. And I wave this green flag. All right, here we go. Get ready, get ready, get ready. It's showtime. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing today, boys. This is Mark Martin. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. All right, we're back. You're tuning into Nostalgic Veteran Cars. Did we get that okay there? Because I wasn't... Yeah, we did. We got it. We good. Okay, good, 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 good. Anyway, so, all right, so we're back, and it's time to introduce our very special guest for the evening. This gentleman is uh, legendary in the world of NASCAR. He is a uh, very, very seasoned engine builder, and he's also a uh, longtime crew chief, and he's worked with some pretty amazing 
Um, teams over the years, uh, Hendricks Motorsports, Holman and Moody, he's had some amazing drivers working with him. So I'm delighted to welcome the show this evening, Waddell Wilson. Waddell, how are you doing this evening? Wonderful, you. Can you hear me okay? Oh, yes, I can hear you. I said wonderful. And oh, you? I'm doing good. I'm doing I'm delighted to uh, have you on the show. We were just talking earlier about, you know, the legends, you know, the guys that were around back in the 50s and 60s and worked their way up. And, you know, kind of, it's why racing is where it is today is because of guys like yourself and everybody that's kind of contributed to it back in the day. So why don't you give us a little background, a little short history on yourself and how you got involved in NASCAR. Now, you're from North Carolina, right? And that's kind of like uh, NASCAR is kind of like uh, the thing in, in you know, the, 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 the racing of choice by a lot of people up in, uh, up in, in, in the Carolinas and, and North Georgia and the South overall. Well, I went to work for Holman Moody back in 1963 and uh, ended up in the engine room. And uh, Holman was the one that hired me, but the guys in the engine room didn't particularly like it. But anyway, they checked me out there for a month or so and said, well, we better leave him alone. He must be something special. So they let me stay in the engine room. And then I ended up with, on Fireball's car, Fireball, and we ended up going to Daytona in, in the summer race and won the, won the race in, at Daytona. And then the next year, Moody, Ralph Moody and Fred Lorenzo come want me to be the jackman on Lorenzo's car. So I went to work on his car. And I know we went to Daytona in, in uh, 64, and that's when Richard Betty and them, the Chrysler ended up with that Hemi. And we didn't have a shot at that. There was three, four mile there faster than we were. But anyway, we, Lorenzo and I worked on the car. And after we left Daytona, we tested the, uh, Atlanta and Bristol and ended up winning the next seven races. So that's how it got started. Just a lot of hard work with the different drivers and then in the fall of 65, I was on Lorenzo's car, and A.J. Ford called Ford Motor Company and wanted to know if I wouldn't build it for him. He'd run Charlotte if I would. So Holman come back and said, you need to build A.J.'s engine. Here come Dick Hutchinson. He said, well, I'm a company car. you got to build mine. So in go to the racetrack in the fall of 65 at Charlotte, we ended, Lorenzo ended up on the pole during the race. AJ was going for the lead and got into the wall coming out of four. And Lorenzen ended up winning the race. They got to run second. So that was the end of 65. Yeah, I may keep telling you like this. Oh, no, you're doing good. Well, let me ask you quickly. Let's talk a little bit about motors. Okay, so before you started working at Holman and Moody as an engine builder, how did you kind of get the job as an engine builder? Was were you kind of working on engines? Is that was that kind of like a passion for you that you were relatively relatively seasoned? You know, because it's not like you can just walk into Home in a Moody or any other uh, you know race car shop and say, "Hey, look, I want to build engines." You, you obviously had to have some sort of credentials <laughs> and some sort of experience for them to reach out to you and say, "Hey, look, I think you need to be in our engine room." Well, let me tell you the rest of that story since you brought it up. Okay, yes. Whenever it, 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 uh, in the beginning of the 65, 63, I mean, excuse me, I, 
I worked at Cummins Diesel in Miami, Florida, when I was a diesel mechanic. Okay. And I like work diesel in it, so I come to Charlotte looking for work, and two days I spent looking for work as a diesel mechanic. Couldn't find anything. A friend of mine said, why don't you go over to Homer Moody and ask them if they have any opening? I think that's a joke, but that's the only option I have at the moment. So I go, go in the door, and general manager running came up to me and said, can I help you? I said, well, look for an employment. We're not hiring anybody. We don't need no help. Pretty sarcastic. And I didn't think much about it. I was going out the door running into John Holman. He said, can I help you? I said, I'm looking for employment. He said, step my office. <laughs> so anyway, I'm telling him what I've done. And finally, I said, well, I graduated from nice block on this college. He, he looked at me, looked up at me for the first time because he sat down behind his desk and he's opening mail. And he said, be here in the morning. I said, what time? He said, 8 o'clock. Now, I have no clue what I'm getting into. Mm-hmm. So when I come in the next morning, the general manager met me, and I could see the look on his face. He didn't want me in that place. And so he puts me in the engine room, and they're giving me jobs to do. I'm thinking, you know, they wouldn't do this to a rookie. And they don't know nothing about me, really. So... Anyway, this guy that worked in the engine room about three or four years ago, he came to the NASCAR Hall of Fame in Charlotte, and he looked me up and he said, let me tell you the rest of your story. When you come in that engine room, they had all intention of getting rid of you. And whenever the lead trade is over the engine room, and months went by, and he said, boys, we have checked him every time he goes to lunch or break. We can't find the thing he's doing wrong. We guess he's something special. Better leave him alone. Huh. Well, that left me in the engine room, and then, you know, that's when the resident found out about it. And he wanted me to build his engine, and it went from there. Okay, so explain this to me now. So so you have ex- a ton of experience with diesel engines, okay? So right. now, suddenly they stick you in there, and you're working on Ford 427s, or whatever that's else, it. other mystery motors they might have been working on. So, in all reality... When you were building these engines, were you doing just like basic engine rebuilds? Were you doing any trick stuff? Was anybody working with you? How did that all come about? Well, you kind of left on your own. You know, the, the degree you come in, whatever you want to do with a lot of things. You know, brain, how you fit your brains. You know, I had a feel for all of it. I was, I, you know, the blessing I had was, is I was very mechanically inclined. Okay, and I could look at things and figure it out pretty easy. So, you know, my engine got to running good, and people got to notice it. And that's whenever Fireball, he, I mean, not Fireball, Lorenzo, he was on top of everything. When he was there at home, he worked on the shop just like we did. Uh-huh. Well, you know, okay, so when you're putting this 427 motor together, and you'd mentioned that Petty came out, because in 65 they got the Hemi motor, okay? And you yep, said that that I Hemi did. was a couple mile an hour, two to three miles an hour faster than the Ford, was there anything you could do to tweak that motor to get the, was it horsepower? Is that really what it was? Or was it the engine design? No, at Daytona and Talladega, that's what you're looking for is horsepower. Okay. You know, aerodynamics plays a part in it too, don't get me wrong. And rolling resistance, but horsepower is the main key factor. And But the thing about it, whenever Lorenzo took his uniform off and went to the motel, I went asking him, let's go to dinner tonight. So we did. And I said, there's a lot of things, questions about Daytona, what the engines need and what they'd like. And let's try some things. He said, okay. And we did for a couple of weeks there. 
know, we're down there, it seemed like three weeks or so. And we tried a lot of things, and, and a lot of it didn't work. There was things that did work, and we found out a lot of things at the racetrack. You know, you can't do those things on the time that were like what, what we were doing. Uh huh. But found out a lot of things that work, and that's why, like I said, the next six, those next seven races, and after we left Daytona, Richard Petty won that race, and then we won the next seven. But it wasn't, I'm not taking credit for it either, but Lorenzo's right there in the middle of it doing everything that's going on and what we were doing. Was it common for race car drivers back in the day to actually kind of hang out with the with the engine builders and the car builders to kind of you know work alongside of them and and contribute and 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 share ideas? No, not at all. Renz is the only one that I was ever around that would stay with you. I mean, he come and put his uniform on just like we did. <laughs> He had a uniform the same as us, and he worked with us seven days a week or six or whatever it took. Wow. And and he'd go to the racetrack with us. I mean, and he had his own notes on that race car. He's actually his own crew chief, basically. He was a smart human being and, and loved racing. That's all he lived for. Now, do you – so – Back in the day, I'm going to throw this out at you. Okay, so Lee Holman's been on our show a number of times, okay? And Lee was always telling us some stories. So when you were working for Holman and Moody back in the day, they were also involved in GT racing. So they were involved in the GT40 program and a few things like that. Were you strictly NASCAR building engines for the NASCAR, or did you ever build any engines for the Ford GT program? For the, for the we, we didn't build those. They built those in Detroit. Oh, we okay. We didn't build them in Daytona. Now, we took – we had – uh, we had four of the race cars that we campaigned out of Holman and Moody. And uh, I can't think of the guy's name that slipped me. Out on the West Coast, he had four of them. Strope. Strope. Bill Strope? No, yeah. not Strope. Uh, oh, Carol Shelby. Right. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> he had four of them. And, and, you know, we had the, the eight teams. And uh, I remember being at Daytona. Mario was go our car. Uh-huh. So... You know, it, it was an interesting, but I I was more for the, you know, the, the NASCAR cars, not the 24-hour cars. Okay. Now, also, I had Robert Yates on my show a number of years ago, okay? So Robert Yates told me a story that he actually started out working at uh, Holman & Moody as well back in the day. And uh, he was sharing some stories how a lot of the guys, um, you know, obviously were focused during the day, but in the evening a lot of times, you know, other uh, race car drivers, race car teams would come over and they would share ideas and they would be building stuff after hours. Did, uh, did that kind of go on while you were there as well? No, I don't remember any of that really going on. They, they would go outside and do work for other places. Okay. You know, but like in 68 and, and uh, 69, you know, I had I had all I could do to build it. I built a new engine for every race. And was at the racetrack, took care of the engine, changed the front tire. That was with David Pearson when that Ford Motor Company sent us back for the championship. And we won it in 68 69. Now, he was driving so I for... I can't imagine working, working on anything else. Okay. Now, was he driving for Woods Brothers back then, and you were building motors for them? Or was he was he uh, working for... No, uh, that's at home on me. He was at home... Was at home on Okay. Yeah. Now, 68 and 69. Okay, 68, 69. All right, so then, when, when, and, and during that, that time, what were some of the tricks? Was there anything special you would do to your motor 
to make those engines last. Because obviously you wanted to get as much horsepower as possible, but you also wanted those engines to live through the races because they were under a tremendous amount of stress, right, and pressure. Yeah, that was the first objective is trying to make sure you put pieces in. It's going to go 500 miles. And and then, you know, the thing that John Holman, and I'm so thankful to that man for what he done for him, but he put his big old finger in my chest. And he said, what else? <laughs> if you ever get caught cheating, I'll fire you. Well, I'm glad because I didn't want to look over my shoulder anyway. So all the things I built was legal and all through the years. So, but when I was home, really, I just strictly built engines for that company race car, and that's all I did. All right. So now, cheating, and let's the, the, the name that comes up in in the world of cheating is is Smokey Unique. Now, that's right. So when I met Smokey, many back in the seventies, he used to we used to go to the twenty four hour race. And then, so what we would do in the morning, we'd go downtown Daytona and we'd get something to eat for breakfast to go to Denny's or someplace like that. But he, his little Ford Fiesta would be sitting out in the front of his building. If the Fiesta was sitting there and the door was open, he was in the shop and it was kind of like, yeah, come on in, hang out. So I got to talk to him a few times and uh, he basically said, no, I was never cheating. I was innovative. And then when somebody <laughs> protested me, it became a rule. And then when I broke that rule through the innovation that I created in the first place, they call that cheating. But I'm not cheat. I'm not a cheater. So I'm just an innovator. So what's your take on that? I know you're laughing. I will. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, he and I locked on two or three times, Smokey and I did. But we were friends through all this. But he, you know, it was NASCAR and him, not me. I did. I wasn't involved in it, but they was catching him doing this, and, you know, they took his gas tank out, and he, and he got in his car and drove it out all the way back to his shop, so he had another thing someplace. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, he was, he and Bill France, and we're talking about senior now, they yeah. didn't get along very well. Well... Okay, so what? Who were some of the other guys? I mean, how was it like? What was it like back then? You know, working with other team motors. Now you went on, obviously, to Hendrick Motorsports. You worked with Henry Rainier, but I think didn't he get? Didn't he merge with Yates later or something like that? Rainier, Rainier, Rainier. Um, well, Yates ended up buying it, buying it, buying his company. Okay, that's what it was. But like when you yeah. back in the day, did, was there was there because the the fans don't know this, but like you know, and I'm not really a racer, but I've been to the track and I've done some club racing and stuff like that. And there's a certain camaraderie in the car sport, okay, and and, and the racing sport, you know, particularly around road race guys, and even in drag racers. And uh, so you know, and and circle track, I don't know because I've never really been involved in it. But it, it always seemed to me, or I used to hear stories that there was always there's, there's extreme competition but a lot of guys would work with each other and kind of help each other out and then sometimes they would share you know ideas and 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 just just you know to kind of keep the sport alive and and competitive did, did you find that back in the day that that was or was it like you know whatever i it was, or it was mum the word so to speak well i just strictly stayed to myself and worked on our race car and i you know, I didn't have time to go talk to other people, and I didn't, you know, I didn't hang out at the bars at night. So that's why that's where that started. You know, they talk about it, what went on during the day at the bars. So, 
I was always too tired to go hang at a bar. <laughs> All right. Well, how about like when you did, so everything you you learned and that you and you know and and, and used in in the building of the engines because you were primarily the engines. Was that stuff through trial and error and experimentation, or did you, like I said, in, in casual conversation with other guys, you know, other competitors, um, did you kind of like, uh, you know, they're talking about, well, we, we we did this and this blew up, but we tried this and this worked and, and so on. Did did, did those kind of dialogues happen at all? Not really. You know, I remember working with Lorenzo at that time at Daytona, and, and we a lot of questions had been asked you know, through the engine room and around, you know, what worked and what didn't at Daytona and Talladega. Well, Talladega wasn't in at that time. But we uh, went through a little bit list of a lot of things that, that we found out that would work and would not work at Daytona. Okay. So I remembered all those things, and, and every engine I built would try to be better than the last one. And then every time I'd come back from a racetrack, I'd always take the engine apart and see at all parts how they looked and was, was anything on the fixing to come apart or whatever okay now you worked for Holman and Moody for how long to what year well I worked for them in 71 that's when Bobby Alston drove the Mercury out of Holman and Moody in that number 12 Coke car and won all those races okay and then at the end of the year Moody was gone and and Holman shut the race car down so Glenn Wood come to me and wanted to know if I'd build engines for him in 72 so I built engines for him to start with was A.J. driving a car. And then after A.J., it was David Pearson. They won a bunch of races. Okay. Um, so you worked on the 427 and then the Boss 429 engine? and then the- Yeah, that and I, that was the 429 that I was building for the Wood Brothers. And that, out of all the engines I ever built, that was one I did not like. It took really? me half a day to stretch the rod boat there. Oh, wow. That was a hard engine build. It had Cooper rings, O-rings in it. You you had to be real careful that everything was correct or you'd have water leaks. Did, but did the engine make, did the Boss 429 make a ton of horsepower? Not really. Not a ton, no. No? Not I, my, the best engine that Ford had, as far as I'm concerned, in 68 when we could run the 427 with two four-barrels on it. Now, that was, a, that was a great engine. That was a great it engine. It wasn't heavy. Yeah, and it and it would handle. That was what happened to the Hemis, the Chrysler Hemis. They had them big heavy Hemi engines, and they, you know, you go to place short tracks, and they was in trouble with them big engines. Cause huh. all that weight on the front, and that's what happened to the 429. Okay, all right. Um, did they ever run the camera in NASCAR? The camera 427. <laughs> Everybody was scared of that thing. I think Lee Terry and I was the only one to ever pip on them. Because you ever seen the timing chain in one of them? Yeah, it's like six I mean, feet long. <laughs> okay, you got it. <laughs> and nobody didn't want to mess with them. And then we took it to Daytona. Not Daytona. Darlington tested. And then they had, for some reason or another, Ford decided they wouldn't want to do it. And, and, home, and, and NASCAR hadn't signed off on it either. So they just kind of left it for drag racing, and that was it. Okay. All right, so when did you go into... Uh Becoming a crew chief, and who was the first team you worked with? Well, Harry Rainier. Okay. He put it all in my lap. So, and I just wanted to take care of the engine, and that was enough job for me not being crew chief to take care of the whole thing. At the end of 79, getting ready for the 80 Daytona 500, 
there was only three of us in the shop, and I had the race car to take care of and everything. So I remember taking that race car to a friend of mine and told him, oh, God, I got what I wanted on it to make it aerodynamic. Because everything I'd run at home and moved it through those years and other places, you know, I put into that race car. And had rolling resistance aerodynamics, and then I built the engine three different times before I really got it what I was looking for. And when we went showed up at Daytona, the car was fast. And but I remember race morning, you know, we'd sit on the pole. But anyway, race morning, Dick Bates pays me to the office. So I said, "What have I done now?" So anyway, I go to the office. He runs the people out of the engine room, out of the little office he had. And he said. Let me tell you something. Ain't nobody here wants to run against that car today. I said, Dick, ain't nothing wrong with that car. And Bill Francis one morning, he'd be there waiting on him to come in and said, you're stinking up. So I said, Bill, I'm not doing anything illegal. And But Dick wanted to said, well, they ought to go through inspection with you. I said, I don't want to see what, what I've done in inspection. Because the big trick I had then, I couldn't figure other people find, figure it out. You know, they'd pull the front of the nose down and it would shoot the air up on the windshield. If you put, if it bit the template, the air would come back and go in the cow because it's just like a little mini blower. And and that's why they couldn't understand how that car was legal and run that fast. But that was the trick I had. Oh really? But it was legal. Yep. But then you know during the race, oh let me tell you for the there was a the guy went to pick up the car after a. And it at the body shop, and I said, no, that's not what I'm looking for. And I make him cut it off and do it again. I pull strings down the side of it, and I said, this is what I'm looking for. Not trying to cheat, but just make it aerodynamic. Now, what kind, so of, anyway, what kind of car is this now we're talking about? Is this a Thunderbird? An Oldsmobile. Oh, an Oldsmobile, okay. Yeah, that's 88. Okay. But anyway, we got it back to the shop. The next day, I got a bill for $10,000. Oh, that'll get me fired. I could not believe it, because you could buy four race cars for that. <laughs> but anyway, I, I was stupid of ever paying it, but I don't remember how it ended up. But anyway, we go to Daytona, and it ruined my week at Daytona. So during the race, Buddy you know, run up front a lot, bled it, and he'd fall back, and he'd take the lead back. Ended up winning the race. So we get in Victor Lane, and uh, one of the guys walked over to her near the owner and said, well, you just both set a new, new record for the fastest 500 miles. And then, for the money, 103,000. I said, no hurry. You got 93, you 10 fat race car. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I slid through that one. When did you... Daytona was one place I loved. That was... Okay, was that... So, uh, at, so you got uh, Alabama, you got Daytona, and... Is it uh, Atlanta and then Darlington? Were those basically the? Is there f- how many super speedways are there? I never even stopped to think about that. So, but but you know, da- well, I always looked at Daytona and Talladega. That was the track that I really loved because you know that's where you could you look for speed, and I was always trying to see how fast we could make that race car run. Did you? Uh, you know, they always talk about they did some unofficial testing. And they always use Talladega as a track that, you know, Billy Elliott set a record here and, and, and Buck Baker set a record here. And so why was Talladega used over Daytona? Well, it's a 2.66 mile. It was a little more banking. 
Uh-huh. And the speed was higher at day at Talladega than it was at Daytona. Oh, it was okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. I remember being with Benny Parsons in '82, the first time we broke 200 mile an hour at Talladega. Anybody broke 200 mile an hour illegally, officially. <laughs> officially. Okay. Yeah, you know, I didn't think nothing about it that day. You know, just like John Holman when he worked for him, he expected us to sit on every pole, lead every lap, and win every race. But anyway. We sat on the pole, broke the record, or set a record for over 200, and I didn't think nothing until I went outside to get a couple of passes for the boys wanting for their wives to get in that weekend. And when I go into the office, I mean, they're jumping up and down, said the phone, they quit ringing. 200 mile an hour was a, was a magic number. So anyway, that was, that was a big deal, but we didn't win the race. Then the next year, at Daytona, we were, that would have been in '83. We, I wanted to do that, you know, be the first one to do Daytona over 200. So in the wind tone and the horsepower that I had, it's supposed to run 203. So anyway, we show up at Daytona and Kale's driving the car. That's the first time he and I had worked together, but been friends through the Homewood Moody days. Right. And and I'd always been used to Buddy Baker, Bobby Austin, boys like that. You know, first two or three laps, you know exactly what you have, but. 45 flat was 200 mile an hour. He's out there running 45, 70 a day. I think, what is wrong with this race car? So anyway, he finally, in the day before we qualified, he said, what if there's nothing wrong with this race car? Let me tell you something. I've never been in nothing this fast. He said, this thing has enough horsepower down the back street. These little hemp bumps it hits, it actually spins the tires. Wow. He said, don't touch it. I said, okay. So anyway, the first lap was a 4470-something, well over 200. And then the next lap, going down the back stretch, a friend of mine gave me the tape on it, and he said, and they were jumping up and down in the press box where there's time in the cars. And said, and then the guy said, you think that's something? I said, he's on a clip now at 203 mile an hour. But then when he went into the turn three, she went airborne with him. It actually flew. Ooh. Yeah, so Dick Beatty picked me up in the pickup truck and went up there to the turn four. And it was sitting there back on its wheels. You could see it had been on its roof. So it took me in the infield care center, and Kale was in there. They were checking him over. He looked up at me. He said, well, you done everything right but one thing. I said, what was that? He said, you didn't put the controls in so I could fly. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I come back in the garage there and and... Bill France Jr., he's the first one to get to me. And he said, now, what is You've got the record. So if you'll fix that car and you can work 24 hours a day, we'll leave somebody here, one of the guards with you. And then you have to start the 125s and then run two or three laps and come back in and keep working. So you get it, whatever you want it. So, and uh, Harry Vanier come over and said, my jet's sitting out here. And got came at farm and said, my jet's out here. Chevrolet called and said, anything you need, we'll have it down there in the morning. And the guys at Kellwoman hired three of his people that worked at MC Anderson the year before. So they come to him and they said, we're not going to fix that race car. We're going to be at happy hour in an hour. Too. So anyway, I remember I walked by Leonard Wood. Leonard come over to me and said, what else? He said, and his tears by coming out of his eyes, you're not going to fix that race car? You have been on the pole four years in a row, different cars and different drivers, 
and this would make you fifth gear, and you've got the pole now. And he said, fix it. So anyway, the funny thing was Junior Johnson, he walked by it with a friend of his, told him later, and he said, anything goes that fast, ought to turn over. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we brought back a joke car, basically, a Pontiac Le Mans, and, and with Kale and the, the ability he had to drive a race car, he won the Daytona 500, and then we come back the next year with a Chevrolet and won it again. Well, Waddell, you've got an amazing history. There's so much more that I'd like to talk about. Let me ask you a question. Every once in a while, what we do is we get a guy on that's pretty fascinating and pretty interesting, and he's got some great stories and stuff. Um, and we like to do like part, sometimes we do part one and part two. So you're kind of one of those guys. We might even want to do a part two with you. But let me ask you a question. When did you retire from NASCAR as a, as a crew chief? Well, if, when I left Rick Hendricks, I was pretty much, you know, I got was burned out, you know, and uh, I just had lost interest in it. So in the early 90s, somewhere in there. So was did Everham, was he the one, Ray, did he's the one that re, kind of replaced he, you? Uh, well, I don't think he replaced me, but he was the one that come in there and certainly was a wonderful person and a, and a, and a winning two crew chief. Okay. Well, Waddell, yeah, I want to. I, I, I think that uh, if you've got some time, if you're available next week, we might want to bring you back on same time, same station, same channel, and uh, have you tell us some more stories. Because I got a whole, I had a whole list of questions here, but your stories are so fascinating, and that's the whole thing about radio. People love to hear the stories, you know. And you were dropping some names, and everybody can relate to that. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you, but we won't get into it because that's a long story. Just your thoughts on NASCAR today, you know? Because when I grew up, you know, I'm I'm in my sixties now but i would watch nascar in the late 50 and the late 60s and 70s and 80s until they turned into basically spec racers but i liked it when you could look i, I was a big david pearson fan I'm a big woods brothers fan i'm a big bud moore fan because i'm a ford guy obviously but and home and moody naturally but i i you guys put a lot of effort into these cars and people don't realize that but the cars back in the day you know, you looked. I looked at that Buick, and I looked at that Chevy, and I looked at that Pontiac, and I looked at that Thunderbird, and I looked at the Torino and, and and the Mercury, and I knew what those cars were. Today, I'm not sure what I'm looking at. So, and I think that's kind of taken the 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 mystique away. And and now it's really kind of about the drivers, but they're not like the Kale Yarboroughs and the Allisons and the David Pearsons and the Richard Petties and people like that. You know, so. Um, but definitely, yeah. If you if you're available next week, I'd love to have you back on and and tell us and share some more stories with us. Would you be up for that? Oh, you know, I'd I'd make me a list of things that I could go on and on and tell you. Like the AJ Ford, um, Benny Parsons, and and I just all the things that I could say. Mario Andretti, you know, when he won the Daytona 500. And, yeah, that's and, gr- that's that's great stuff. That is great stuff. And then you know when. Benny Parsons, that's even a bigger story when he won the Daytona 500 in 75. Wow. Well, Waddell, we are up against the clock, so I'm going to have to say goodbye. The checker flag's coming down on us here, and, and at least it's okay. only a checker flag. But definitely, if you're up for next week, we'll do that again, and then I'll make a bigger list, and then you tell some okay. amazing stories. I really, I truly enjoyed this, and my listeners, I'm sure, truly enjoy this as well. Well, I hope so. All right. Well, very good. Again, I want to thank my very special guest this evening, Waddell Wilson, legendary engine builder and NASCAR crew chief. Waddell, you take care, and we'll talk to you next week. You there? Oh, 
Is he off? Is still on? Is still, okay. Anyway, hey, you're tuning into. We need some music here. Uh, da, 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 da. You know, you're learning. <laughs> hey, yo, see this. This is this. This is what I like about radio. It, it's a process. It's a process, and it's spontaneous, and that's the oh, beauty yeah. of radio. And we all have fun at it because. And this is the beauty of. I can sit there. People, unless they're in the studio, they don't know. But I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at you, and you're looking yeah, at me. Yeah. We give ourselves hand singles and this and that. Yeah. Little, and that's a beautiful thing because we just kind of we wing it. We play yeah. it by ear. But exactly. I, um, I just want to give a big shout out to our friends over at Festivals of Speed and our friends at Fastlane Travel because last week we did a big deal down at Porsche of Clearwater. They had basically kind of like a wine watches and wheels and kind of a gathering, a couple hundred people, and really, really neat little event. But also, Festivals of Speed is having their big event at the World Equestrian Center, May 5th and 6th. Car show, uh, vendors, uh, the, it's also the week of the, what is that thing called? I think called the Derby or whatever it is, the Kentucky Derby thingy or whatever. I'm, I'm not into all that. Yeah, I'm in the horsepower, not horses. I but, agree. But we will be up there working. So uh, And then, of course, shout out to my friends at Hollywood Wheels. And uh, Stacy David Gears TV because we got Stacy coming on in a couple, three, four weeks or something like that. But anyway, don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday between seven and eight p.m. on Tantalk Radio Network for the most legendary and fascinating names in motorsports. We got a NASCAR thing going on right now with engine builders and crew chiefs and race car guys. And uh, don't forget to check us out here between seven and eight p.m. every Tuesday. And stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. I found an island in your arms. Tree in your eyes